You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. If you have your Bible open to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 this morning, and we'll be looking at verses 12 through 13. We'll actually read verse 11 with that as well, but Hebrews chapter 4. One of the most interesting things that I've been a part of in, in the church world and really in just my life is a few years back when I was in Willis, we had a special event for uh, back to school. It was on a Wednesday night and we had a special event and inviting kids from the community. And we had a special guest, a speaker, who was a Christian and he shared his testimony. But he also did something else. He swallowed swords. He was a sword swallower. He was a Christian sword swallower. His Dan Meyer. He'd actually been on America's Got Talent and a lot of different other shows. And I, I was responsible for picking up this sword swallower from the airport. So I hung out with the sword swallower, ate Whataburger with him, and had a good time. But what was really interesting is when you, when you see a, and I don't know if you've seen a sword swallower, it, it's hard to see actually, it's sort of hard to watch it, but a lot of people think it's fake. They believe that swords, it's fake, like somehow the sword will like, you know, kind of collapse. It's not fake, I assure you, it is not fake. And part of what he does, he kind of explains, like in this thing, I mean this guy, Dan Meyer, he's getting kind of... You got to be a little, little different to swallow a sword. Real nice stuff. This is what he said. It took ten thousand attempts before he could ever actually successfully swallow a sword. Ten thousand attempts. And, and he talks about this when you actually. Sw- I think these are. It's a big sword here. It's not a butter knife. I mean. When you swallow a sword, right, there's certain things you have to do. You have to, be able to, you have to be able to train your body to get past the gag reflex. That's the first thing, right? When he comes down your throat, he has to kind of maneuver it. It's just crazy. Listen, he has to actually move his heart over. He nudges the sword or the heart with his sword and moves it over. So he pierces his heart. He goes down. And it, and you're like, well, how do you know it's real? Well, guess what? He let me pull it out, and it's real. I promise you. It's weird. But here's the deal. This is, you think about it. This is not something you learn overnight, right? It takes a long time. Why? Because naturally, if you put a sword in your body, it's going to kill you, right? That's not good. In general, a sword, it's sharp. It will pierce your heart, and you will die, right? That's, that's the thing. And so, somehow, somewhere, somebody got the idea about swallowing. I don't know where they got that. But here it is. This is unnatural, right? Because a sword is meant to pierce. And in many cases, it's meant to kill. But yet, I want us to see this morning another type of sword. Another type of sword that, yes, while it is 
dangerous. It also speaks of God's power. It's His Word, the Word of God. And I want you to remember this main idea here, this big point. The Word of God, when honestly read and rightly understood, reveals the true nature of who we are. I want you to hear that. The Word of God, when it's honestly read and rightly understood, reveals the true nature, the true nature of who we are. So let us hear, we'll start at verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Father, may you again honor the preaching of your word. May you speak and may you illuminate your word in such a way today that we hear and understand your message. And Father, may you show us things in our life that don't glorify you. Help us to live faithfully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, as we have been walking through the book of Hebrews together, one of the big words, the word that the author of Hebrews is going to use, he used last week, was the word rest. The author tells us that you and I, we have a type of rest that is available for us. And I don't mean sleeping during my sermon. It's a type of rest that you and I can have. And this rest is eternal life. One, it's the type of rest that we can experience. Type of rest that we can experience here on this earth. When we trust in the message of Jesus, but also the rest of eternal life. The rest of eternal life. He's saying, listen, you and I, we can have rest. Rest was available for God's people as they exited out of Egypt. And God said, hey, listen, you got this promised land. It's going to be good and you can rest. And it's wonderful. It's a, it's a great place. And all you got to do is you just follow me and and listen to me, and yet God's people did not. And they did not enter the rest that God had provided for them. And so, what kept them from rest was disobedience. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, it's the same thing for us. He's saying, God's got a, a rest that you can experience here on earth, and a perfect rest in eternity, but the thing that's going to keep you from the thing that's going to keep you from eternal life is disobedience when you don't follow God. Because disobedience, when we disobey, we have no care about it, that speaks to an unbelief in our heart. 
Now, yes, we all mess up. We all sin. We're not all perfectly obedient. But is our life characterized by obedience? Do we follow Jesus? Because one of the things the author of Hebrews is going to say over and over, you know, in, in different ways. Listen, it's those who are persevere to the end. Those who follow Jesus is not how you begin. We talked about that last couple weeks ago. It's how you end. Do you follow Jesus your whole life? That shows that you truly believe. That shows that that belief was real in your heart. No, you don't lose your salvation. We'll say this a lot in the book of Hebrews. You don't lose your salvation. But there are many people who never had it to begin with. And so he's saying, listen, disobedience is, is so critical. And then he says, so strive to enter that rest. Believe in Jesus so you don't fall away in disobedience. But why? Why, why is that so important? And, and why does he say that here? He said, listen, okay. first of all, you can't hide it. And you can't pretend that it's the right thing to do, right? We can't, well, I didn't know, right? Isn't that what kids, or actually adults, we do that, right? When people get caught doing something, well, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. Yes, you did. Right? We claim ignorance a lot. Well, I didn't know. He's saying, listen, you can't claim that because of this. The Word of God. So there's two big ideas I want you to see. It's real simple. One is the Word of God. The Word of God. It's very simple. Now, when the author of Hebrews, when he uses that phrase, what does he mean by the Word of God? What does that mean? when we hear that now naturally we think of the bible and that is going to be what we talk about but we do have to understand rightly understand here in this context that obviously when he speaks of the word of god there's an element of scripture but that's going to refer for him the old testament primarily right because that they didn't have the fullness of the new testament yet so, yes, it's the Scripture. However, what I'm going to say is that very early on, very early on in the Christian world, they understood not only as the Old Testament as Scripture, but even the letters that were being circulated. The letters of Peter. The letters of Paul. Right? These things were understood to be Scripture. I want you to write down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Peter is writing, who's the final part of his letter, and he's talking about Paul. And he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters. When he speaks of them in these matters, of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. So if you've ever not understood Paul, guess what? Peter had a hard time too. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scripture. 
So right there, Peter's saying, listen, the, the letters of Paul, they're Scripture. And so we can expand this and say the Word of God is the, the canon of Scripture that we have. The Old and New Testament, the 66 books of the Bible, that's the Word of God. Then the other element of the Word of God, you would also say, is again, the message of Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. So you see here, it's both the, it's the fullness of the Bible, but the message of Jesus Christ, which is in the Word of God. Right? The message of Jesus is here in, his, in this Word. And so you see the message of Christ and then the, the Word of God all together. Because one of the things that we know is that the message of Jesus is the pinnacle of God's revelation to us. Everything in the Bible, all the promises in the Bible, all the, everything in the Bible is fulfilled in Jesus. So Jesus is the pinnacle of the Word of God, of the Bible. So again, everything's fulfilled in Him. So I believe here the author of Hebrews kind of has this dual idea here. It's the message of Christ, message of God's word, fullness of what we have today as we understand. So the word of God, the word of God, he's going to tell us something about it. You see what he says? He says, for the word of God is living and active. What does it mean that God's Word is living? What does it mean that the Bible is living? Well, what it means is that it comes from God who is alive. God is alive. God's not dead. And guess what? Because God's not dead, His Word, the things that He speaks, are still living. This Word is alive. It speaks to its author. God is alive. The Word is alive. It's, again, it's not dead. It's not outdated. It's not, again, it's not something that's passed away, right? This is alive and living, and it's still important for us. You know, so much in our history, so much in science becomes outdated, doesn't it? There are things that you might read in history books or textbooks or science books of old that are no longer relevant. When I grew up, when you grew up, Pluto was a planet, wasn't it? They kicked out poor Pluto. And now, I mean, in all our science textbooks, Pluto, Pluto's there, Pluto's a planet. We all, we didn't you remember it by maybe sing a song or whatever. Pluto was there. Guess what? Pluto's not a planet. And now, everybody that grows up now, guess what? That's outdated information. Pluto's now, what is it, a dwarf star, Braden, something like that? A dwarf planet? Yes, there you go. See, now, you look at that, and again, in 50 years, 100 years, this is going to be old news, right? The old ancient people used to think Pluto was a planet. But not so with God's Word, right? Everything in God's Word is still relevant. I mean, it matters. It's real. It's living. He says, not only is it living, but it's active. He says, listen, God's Word, 
His Word, it's alive, but it also has a purpose. And so the Bible is not just a collection of words. It's not just a collection of letters or books. God's Word actually has a purpose. Yes, it's those things. They're all included, but God's Word has a purpose. You've heard it said that you don't read God's Word. God's Word reads you. You see, this is what's different about the Bible and all other literature. Yes, literature may have a purpose, but the purpose of God's Word is ultimately meant to change and transform you and I. Every time we read God's Word, remember it's of Him, it's living. So when we read it, it's meant to enter into our hearts and to transform us. It has a purpose. Time you read God's Word, there's something important that God wants us to understand. Now what happens, unfortunately, is we don't always read with open hearts. We don't always read honestly. We don't always read ready to receive the message. And so the purpose of God is thwarted sometimes. Now God's purpose will always be fulfilled. Don't get me wrong. It will never return void. But yet at the same time, we we can hinder that purpose in our lives at that moment. Now God's purpose will always come true but yet do we want to block what God's doing in our life do we want to block the message of the gospel do we want to block what he's trying to teach us so it has a purpose it's living and active not only that but he says it's sharper than any two-edged sword Now, you can think of a sword here, a military sword, a soldier's sword. But the other thing I think you can see here that's very appropriate is that of a surgeon's scalpel. Yes, a sword, but think of a surgeon's scalpel. Very sharp. If you're under for surgery or know someone that has, that surgeon has to take that scalpel, right? It has to cut through your skin and all the tissue, everything that's there, right? He opens you up. He pierces you. The Bible like that. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. It goes to the depths of who we are, of the joints and the marrow. It's just to say, listen, God's Word, I mean, it, it cuts right in you like that surgeon's scalpel. I mean, it opens you up. It goes to the depths of who you are. But not only that, but it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Oh. So here's what he's saying. Listen, God's Word, when it's honestly read, rightly understood, you know what it does? It comes into our hearts. And it shows us who we really are. All the the thoughts and all the intentions of our heart, when they are compared to God's Word, when we see God's Word and we see what His standard should be, we begin to realize that we fall 
short of God's perfect standard. It's meant to be like, again, it's saying, listen, here's the, here's the standard. And when you read it, you realize, man, I, I don't follow that. I fall short of that. And it's meant to expose in us. Because remember, the big idea that we want to follow Jesus. We want to obey Him. We want to live in righteousness. And when we read His Word with an open heart, we realize, okay, this is the area that I need to work on. Okay, this is what's really going on in my heart. Here's the true intention. And just like a surgeon, you know, doctors can do all sorts of tests, right? They can do MRIs, CAT scans, PET scans, whatever scan they have, right? But there are certain things that can't really be understood until they open you up and look inside, right? I've heard of things where people, they, the doctor says, well, this is the plan based on what we could tell, but... It might change when we open the person up. And that's what the surgeon does. They open you up. They look. They see. Is everything working properly? Things that can't always be seen with the best technology. Can't always understand everything. But it's that surgeon peering in, looking. Taking his scalpel. Opening things up. You see, God's Word does that. Because on the surface, you can look good. I mean, you can look very religious, very wise. I mean, I may think that you're great, you may think I'm great, but it's God's Word piercing into us that really reveals who we really are. And so he's saying, listen, that's the, that's the power of God's Word. That's the power of it. It reveals the hidden aspects of our hearts. Then he says something, that's the Word of God, but then he says, I want you to also know the God of the Word. You also need to know the God of the Word. Because here's here's something else you need to know. Here's the, the bigger thing you need to understand. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He says, listen, not only that, not only is the Word of God that does that work in us, he's saying, listen, the God of the Word, you can't hide from Him. You can't trick Him. Because nothing, no one is hidden from His sight. That was the first thing that Adam and Eve tried to do, didn't they? They tried to hide. They tried to hide from God. I remember when I was a kid, I was at a neighbor's house, and his grandson was there, and we were playing and having a good time, and we're messing around like you're not supposed to. And we're playing on the front door. I didn't even know he was trying to get in, or I was trying to get out, and we're playing. And I put my hand through that glass door, and guess what? It bust the front door, glass everywhere. And what did I probably do? I, I'm pretty sure I did this. I went and told him, right? No, I ran and hid. You run away, right? Because it's not good. This isn't good. 
And people run from God, right? People, when we are in disobedience, you know what the first thing that people do? They, they, they run away. Sometimes they run from the church. I don't want to be a part of that because I feel bad or I feel guilty. They begin to distance themselves from anything that reminds them of their, of their sin. They want to run away. But he says, listen, you can't do that. God knows everybody. God knows all things. No matter what you're doing, whatever you're into, guess what? God sees it and God knows it. And if you believe in God, then you believe that, guess what? He's going to, there's going to be judgment for that. We all will have to stand and give an account before God. He sees that, right? Do you see that? To Him who we must give account. So he's saying, listen, no creature is hidden from the God of the Word. But all are naked and exposed to Him. Naked refers, again, to to be naked, to be unclothed. is Again, that's that's the perfect picture of being vulnerable. There's nowhere to hide. You're completely exposed. But I also want you to look at that word exposed there. That's an interesting word. It's actually a very interesting word. It actually holds the meaning. It actually goes back to wrestling, which you know I like. It's actually a word that refers to a wrestler's hold in the ancient days. When a wrestler would grab the, the neck of its opponent, Grab the neck of his opponent. When you, and here's the deal when wrestling, especially in the, the, the real kind of school wrestling. I don't know, John. John knows that. The real wrestling, you grab somebody's neck, right? That's the worst place that a wrestler can be in. When somebody grabs your neck, you're very vulnerable. One of the most Elementary moves that any wrestler learns is called the half Nelson. Half Nelson. You put your hand under their arm, over their neck. It's that move right there that you learn very quickly in wrestling. It's a way that you pin somebody. That's that picture here saying, listen, all of us, we're exposed like a wrestler who's about to be, he's about to be flipped over. He's exposed to the danger of losing. But that word also has a, another sort of possible meaning. It can also refer to the way that someone would grab the, the neck of a sacrificial lamb. You think about it, and it's graphic. You grab the neck, you pull their head up. And what do they do? They slice their throat, right? But that's that picture. He's saying, listen, it's almost like, again, the God of the Word, he we are exposed. And, and there's something powerful about that. saying, listen, we are exposed to the eyes of Him who must give account. And so when we read God's Word and we understand it comes before Him, we are exposed almost like that sacrificial lamb that looks up. We're vulnerable. We're exposed. To him we must give account. 
And so he's saying, listen, this is what God's Word can do. It pierces in, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of your heart, but it also reveals to us that the God of His Word is going to hold all of us to account. You can't run from Him. You can't run from Him. Does your life reflect His glory? Do your actions reflect His righteousness? Do you and I live in such a way that show others that yes, I believe in Him? Let's be real practical. Does the way that you live in your family, the way that you treat your spouse or your children or grandchildren, whoever's there, do your actions, do they reflect Christ? Do they show that you love God? How about the way that you live in your, your neighborhood? Are you known as the grumpy neighbor that nobody wants to talk about? I hope not. Do you, are you known as somebody that they don't want to go to? How about the way that you ask or act on social media? That's a big one these days, right? I've seen people that follow Jesus and they, they, they seem to, but yet they get on social media and they turn into maniacs. Like, well, who are you? Why would you say these things? It's not right. And we see that over and over. It, it, how about in your work? Are you known to be an honest person? Somebody that can be trusted? But it also says, how about your private life? I've heard said that that's when you can really tell a character of a person is what they do when no one's watching. What's your character? Because we can hide from people, but you can't hide from God. And so the big idea here is saying, listen, I want you to enter into God's rest. I want you to be there, but I want you to be obedient. I want you to follow Him. And here's one of the ways that you and I can make sure that we are on the right track is when we allow God's Word to do His work in us. When we allow God's Word to be like that surgeon's scalpel and to show us, oh no, that's wrong. That's not good. So that we can be repaired and transformed and made new in Christ. Some people don't want to go under that spiritual surgery though. Surgery is scary, isn't it? Some people would rather say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they, they reject God's Word. They don't allow it. You know, I, I don't, that, that sounds painful. That sounds scary. But listen, that's a lot less scarier than having to stand before God and give an account. And that's the truth. And so my question here is, are you allowing God's Word to do its work in your life? Are you reading and studying and meditating on God's Word? 
Are you asking yourself, how, how does this apply to me? Are you saying, okay, how, can, how am I living up to this or not living up to this? I mean, are you really prayerfully? And listen, I'm asking this for myself because I study and read Scripture all the time, but it's easy even preacher just to read it and study it, make a sermon, but not let it really take root. It's not a measure of quantity of how much you read the Bible. It's the quality. Are you honest to stand, God, let your word speak to me. And so this morning, that's the question. Are you allowing God's word to speak? To convict us? So that we can be transformed. We can be made new. We can be more like Jesus, remember, so that we can know who we really are. Where are you at with that? What has God been saying to you through His Word? Here's a couple reflective questions to ask. Are you reading God's Word? It's real simple. Are you, do you spend time reading God's Word? And again, I'll say daily, but let's just be real honest and say, do you even read it weekly? Do you read it at home? Do you even flip the pages of the Bible? Does it sit there until you pick it up next week to go to church? Are you reading God's Word? Do you look at it? Do you study it? Do you think about it? And this isn't meant to say, hey, you know, this isn't meant to be some work. Again, you don't, we don't gain heaven by works. But guess what? If we love God, then we ought to love His Word. Are you reading God's Word? But then the other reflective questions, are you really meditating on God's Word? The other big danger is we can read it, but not really read it. We can read words, but not take it to heart. Sometimes we just try to check the box, so our Bible reading plan. So next time you see the pastor, you won't lie and say that you read it. Listen, I want to know that we all are really reading God's Word. Thinking about it, dwelling on it. And then finally, the reflective questions are following God's Word. One of the most important things that we can do is when we know that we are in error, when we we know we're in error, one of the most important things we can do is to stop what we're doing, to repent, and do the right thing. Yes, we all fall into error from time to time. Yes, we fall into sin, but the mark of a Christian is when God speaks to you, you say, yes, that's wrong, and I'm going to stop. So my other question is, is there anything in your life that you know does not reflect God's Word? If so, stop, repent, and believe in Him. This morning, may we be encouraged. May we be encouraged that God's Word is powerful. God's Word, when honestly read and rightly understood, Reveals the true nature of who we are. Who are you? 
And who am I? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your word that speaks to us. That leads us and guides us. But God, I also thank you for your word that pierces into our heart. Into those inner places of who we are. and It exposes things in us that don't belong. God, your word reveals the true nature, our true character. And Lord, so often we try to pretend that everything's good, but your word is, is sharp. And I pray this morning that as we hear this message, as we hear from you, that God, we would all be convicted that we need to read and study and meditate on your word, not for some religious exercise before transformation. That we can be transformed from sin into obedience. But Lord, I also pray that we not only see Your Word, but we see You. And if there's anyone here this morning that's trying to run from You or hide from You, Lord, we can't do it. We ought to stop running and rest. And Lord, I know that your word is is not meant to be a burden to us. It's not meant to be just, well, I've got to do this. It's meant to give us life. Because Lord, when we love you and when we truly love you, your word is never a burden. It's a delight. there's life in your words so Lord let us look to you as one who desires the very best for us Lord you desire to give us rest you desire to give us life and I pray this morning that we are reminded of that and may we be transformed Lord this morning may we be encouraged and convicted And may we live and be more like Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.